Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of the church. The church that is gathered in, in this space and, and gathered around the world giving praise to Jesus this morning because of what he has done. Uh, two weeks ago, JR kicked us off in our series for the summer on being church together. Uh, pretty phenomenal that being church together means not just with the people right here, but also with our brothers and sisters around the world and the relationships that we have. And we're so grateful for the ways that that relationship has been cultivated over the years and for Lowell and Pastor Brito con continually coming to share with us and partnering with us. So thank you again. Um, yeah, last two weeks ago, JR talked about some of the marks of, of a healthy church. Uh, Christ is Lord, we, that's, that's front and center, right? Christ is Lord. Discipleship, learning what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived and trying to implement that into our lives every day. Living in a mission-oriented posture. We're not just about us, but about the people around us and how we spread God's love and share the gospel with other people. And that each one of us has a gift that contributes to the building up of the church. So all of us are actually vital to what it means to be church together. And then lastly, that our faith is embodied, that it's practiced, that it's not just something we talk about on Sunday, but it's something that we live out on Sunday, and then again on Monday and Tuesday, and every day throughout the week. We've also been encouraging you to read the book of Ephesians in this season. I don't know how many of you actually are doing that. I know some of you are. Uh, but I would like to just take a moment, and if you have been reading Ephesians, what, has, what have you noticed? Uh, and this is not a hypothetical question. So if there's something that uh, you've noticed as you've been reading, something that has stood out to you, uh, feel free to shout that out now. The daughters of the living God. Amen. We are adopted sons and daughters of the living God. Anything else? I mean, we could stop right there and just sit with that for a while, but there's a lot more in Ephesians. So. Unity comes through Christ. We were given the gift of faith to believe by grace. Amen. I've been just kind of blown away by the extravagance of Ephesians. And actually, I was talking with somebody the other week, and I said, I was, actually, I was kind of a little bit bummed that we were reading Ephesians and talking about the church, because it's, he's, the comment they made, it's kind of high-minded. And I was like, yeah, it kind of is. It's like, it's so extravagant that it's like, what is going on here? But the vision that God gives Paul for the church, it is extravagant, and yet, what we are called to do is take that extravagant vision and then live it out in our day-to-day -day lives. 
so here's, here's just some of the extravagant things. And these things are amazing. And I, I hope that they capture our attention as well as our, uh, as well as our imagination of what is possible for the church and what God desires for the church. And we take these really, really heavenly, amazing, awesome things and think about, okay, what does that mean for how do I live my day-to-day life? So here's, here's just some of them. In Ephesians 1, 22 20 through 23, and God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as head over all things. Now the church is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is awesome. (laughs) This is amazing. Throughout Ephesians, Paul uses this metaphor of the body, and it, it means different things in different places. And right here, it means that we are, we are Christ's body. We are meant to be the presence of Christ physically in this world. The message puts it this way, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. This is amazing. So as we gather here this morning, we have brought the presence of Christ into this park, into this pavilion, into this space. And I don't know if you, when you woke up this morning and you thought, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm going to gather with my church family this morning. I don't know if you had this thought, but I hope you do in the coming weeks. I am gathering with my brothers and sisters. I am gathering with Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. Did you come with the expectation this morning that as you gathered that Christ would be here speaking and acting this morning in us and through us? This is formation and mission that we talk about, that Jesus shows up and speaks and acts in our midst, forming in us something of his goodness, of his body, and then sends us out to fill all of these other spaces, the grocery stores, the schools, our workplaces, our homes, to fill them with Christ's presence. I guess that was boring to you. All right, we'll try a different one. (laughs) Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ, raised up together with him, and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate the surpassing wealth of his grace. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. 
We are a dwelling place of God. That's incredible. You will be filled up to all the fullness of God, Paul writes in Ephesians 3.19. We are being filled with God's presence to all of God's fullness. Now, if you may have heard this before. So Ephesus, the city where Paul is writing to the Christians there, was home to one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. It was a temple to a god called Artemis or Diana. It was a wonder of the world. And Paul's kind of like, that thing? That's got nothing on you all. You are the presence of God. God is seeking to dwell in you. And from you, he's sending out you into the city to transform it, to fill it with Christ's presence. Artemis, I could care less about that guy, about that God, because Christ is supreme. And through you, this city is going to be transformed. All right, another one in Ephesians 3.10. Through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be disclosed to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. God is using us to show something to heavenly powers about God's goodness. He's revealing his wisdom through us. I'll be honest, I don't entirely know what that means, but it sounds pretty awesome. And he's, he's saying this because, because Jews and Gentiles who despised each other, who had nothing in common, are all of a sudden being joined together in one in Christ. And, and I don't know, if you look around at some of the people around here, I love you all, but some of you are kind of weird. <laughs> and I, I, would never, I would never be in community with you Except for you love Christ and I love Christ. And because of that, we love each other. And Paul says that that bears witness to the world that says, yeah, what? Why are these people hanging out together? They should hate each other. But no, we've been reconciled to Christ. And through Christ, we've been reconciled to one another. I've been thinking like, so Jesus taught us to love our enemies. He preached that. And I, I know that, that we still have to seek to live that out. But I wonder if part of him preaching that was like, you're going to have to start loving these people because all of a sudden they're going to be your brothers and sisters when word gets out about me. You better start practicing now. They may be your enemies, but soon they will be your brothers and sisters. All right, we'll try another one. Now to God, who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. Now to God, who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. So God is able to do more than we can think or imagine. That in itself is pretty amazing. And, and sometimes it can be easy for us to kind of just mentally acquiesce to that. Oh, yeah, of course. God is God. Is God. God could do whatever. But that's profound that God is able to do more than I can think or imagine. But don't miss your place, our place in this. 
by the power that is working within us, God is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. By God's power that is working within us, things are happening that we cannot imagine, that we could not think of, to the glory of God. In the church, God receives glory just as he does in Jesus. We read this one last week. Uh, I'm going to... He talks about all the gifts that have been given to the church. And Jay, I read this. At the end, it says, So that we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. This is what God desires for us as a church, to attain to the measure of Christ's full stature. Practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ. We are growing up into the fullness of Jesus, or at least that's what we're called to do, to grow into the fullness of Jesus. And I confess that there are times that I get tired, there are times that I get discouraged, there are times I get disappointed, but let's not give up growing into the fullness of Jesus. That's a beautiful and awesome thing, and I want that. All right, in, in 4.16, there's this interesting combination. It says, from him, from God, or from Christ, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting limit, ligament. As each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. So growth happens through Jesus who gives the gifts and nourishes the church, and through the work of the body doing what we're gifted and called to do. There's that combination of God's power at work and us moving in obedience and using what God has given us, using the gifts. We are totally dependent on Jesus, and we must absolutely do our part, using what God has given us to build others up. If we work without Jesus... What happens? Probably get some big muscles, but without any purpose. It's a lot of busy work that doesn't actually mean anything if we're just working without Jesus. On the flip side, if we just sit back and do nothing but clap for Jesus, what happens? Atrophy. Jesus, the head is great, but the body his body, we are his body, is weak and useless. And so there's this combination of Christ nourishing us, feeding us, and us responding by doing the things that he has called us to do. All right, there's so many more. But Christ, this is 5, 26 or 27. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word so that he may present the church to himself as glorious. Not having a stain or a wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so that he may present the church to himself as glorious. Renew, we are called to be glorious. We are made glorious by Christ. 
And a couple verses later in 29:30, this is actually fascinates me. So Paul starts trying to write to husbands and wives and families, but he just can't get this vision of what God desires for the church out of his head. And so he's talking about husbands loving their wives. He says, for no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and takes care of it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Christ nourishes and cherishes you. Christ nourishes and cherishes us. We could go on and on, Ephesians, and, and I hope that we can you know, discuss this more in our house churches of, of these captivating visions of the church. And my sense is that for some of us, we hear all these things, that's not been my experience of the church. And it can push us to cynicism or at least skepticism. But for the dreamers among us, we breathe, oh yes, let's keep pursuing those things. God, keep doing those things you said you'd do through the church. Throughout history, the church has done some really, really incredible things. And we got to hear some of them, what God is doing through the church in India this morning. Really incredible things as people bear witness to the love of Christ in word and in action. On the flip side, throughout history, the people of God have also messed up a lot and made plenty of mistakes, plenty of failures, plenty of sins. Each one of us in here has sinned against somebody else in the church at some point in our life. We've caused pain or hurt. And many, probably all of us, have also been hurt by someone within the church. And so we hold this intention, this beautiful vision that God has of the church and some of our experiences of both that glorious goodness as well as some of the pain and the hurt. In Ephesians, God continues to put the vision of the church at its best before us. A little, well, a year and a half ago, I guess, um, a group of us were reading a, a book on parenting by Laura Markham. And one thing that hasn't left me, and I've been reminded over the last couple months. So this is, this is both for you parents, but it's also for us as we think about the book of Ephesians. She writes, your child depends on you to hold the vision. Your child depends on you to hold the vision of her at her best. And for those of you who are parents, you know that that's not always easy when your kid is driving you crazy. Kids, you never do this. I know, Josiah, you, you're perfect. Your kids always, Lana, your, kids, your, your parents never get frustrated with you. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> parents, we, we get tired. Sometimes our kids aren't doing what we hoped they would. And they're struggling because growing up is hard. And so this call to parents is, even though... I can see you not doing the things that I know you can do. I'm going to hold this vision of you at your best so that you will live into that vision. And that's what God is doing through Paul in Ephesians for us. So he looks at us and says, 
yeah, you guys are kind of a mess sometimes, but here's the vision of you at your best. This is who you are. This is who I'm calling you to be. This is how I want you to live this out. Keep this vision before you. When somebody in the church hurts you, forgive them. Because that's not who I've called you to be. Called you to be like Christ. So God holds this vision before us. And I want us to keep having this vision and keep dreaming into that vision and keep living out of that vision of who God says we are as his church. We have been called out of the darkness of sin and death into the light of Christ's love. Darkness doesn't give up easily, but neither does Jesus. We've been called out of the darkness of sin and death into the light of Christ's love. Aubrey read this earlier. I didn't know she was going to read it as the call to worship. The Holy Spirit did. We're going to hear it a couple more times. For this reason, and, and you know, if we were doing a whole Bible study, we should look at that. For, this re- for what reason? For what reason? Well, I think maybe the reason is all of what Paul is writing about who Jesus is and what the church is called to be. For this reason, he kneels before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner person, that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. So that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul, that doesn't make any sense. How can you know what surpasses knowledge? Sorry. Thus, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God. Another translation puts it this way. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So when I first made this outline for this series a couple months ago, this Sunday was supposed to be about love and unity. And as I've wrestled over the last couple weeks, talking about the love of God, like, we've all heard that. We've all heard that. I can't say anything new about the love of God wrestled with it, and my wife helped encourage me. And I have to repent. 
I need to ask for forgiveness for the times that I've become dull to this message of God's love. So you've heard it hundreds of times. You've probably read this passage before. And yet, this is the foundation of who we are. And we can never exhaust God's love. And we ought never exhaust reminding each other of God's love. This is who the church is called to be. Church is called to be the the community, the family, in which the love of Christ is revealed to us where we come together and we remind each other how deep God's love for us is, how wide God's love is for us. And not only that, we can't just tell each other, but we have to actually live this out. It's the frequent command throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament in particular, love one another Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you. Just as Jesus loved me, that's a a lot of love. And that's how I'm called to love Clyde. And Clyde's a pretty cool dude, but he frustrates me sometimes. (laughs) Sorry, Clyde, I didn't mean to throw you. But think, I'm called to love Clyde the way Jesus loves me. That ain't easy. And that's nothing against Clyde. That's just the reality that that's not easy. Jenny told me yesterday that I was easy to love. And I almost started laughing. I appreciate that. But I kept thinking, I'm not sure that God feels the same way. Not always easy to love. And yet, his love never stops loving me. Jesus' love never stops loving you. Even when you're a hot mess, he keeps loving you. And laid down his life for you. And that's how we're called to love one another, with this sacrificial, self-giving love. This is miraculous love, and we can never grow tired of hearing it, of experiencing it, of plumbing the depths and exploring the heights and the width and the length of his love. So as a church, we are called to remind one another of the love of Christ. Renew, don't ever get tired of telling each other about how deep Jesus loves you, about how much Jesus loves you. Never get tired of sharing this scripture story, of sharing the beauty of the gospel over and over again. And I want you to... When someone, especially someone in the church, reminds you of God's deep love for you, of the love that Jesus has poured out for you, so that you could have eternal life with him, don't get bored with that. Don't get bored with that. Don't just move on. Stop a minute and let it sink in. All right, I'm gonna, I want to just invite us to stand for a little bit. I know the, the last year has called us to, to practice some different forms of love. And so sometimes 
Loving somebody has, has meant keeping your distance. And sometimes loving somebody has meant drawing in close. And, and this morning, if, if, you're not, if you're still in a place where you're feeling really vulnerable uh, to the potential risks of a virus, I, want you, I would like you to find somebody in your family to do this with, somebody that's safe with. I want to respect that. But I hope, my hope is that we're in a place where we can do this and embrace one another. I know Dennis and Claudia have done this before and talked about this before. So how much does Jesus love you? How much does Jesus love you? And Cindy has talked about this before, about reflecting on the cross and how important that was for us. And Dennis has talked about this before. But on the cross, we have a picture of how much God's love is for us. Because his arms are like this. So I'd like you to find a partner. Somebody, if it's somebody in your family, that's great. If it's somebody else, everybody find a, find a partner. And just ask them, how much does Jesus love me? And partner, you get to open your arms up. And then you get to ask them, how much does Jesus love me? So you're both going to be like this, open-armed. And can you then just embrace one another? I invite you to do that now. And just let that sink in, how deep God's love is for you. Cindy, would you be my parent? How much does Jesus love me? Cindy, how much does God loves you with an unfailing, never stopping love. He gave his one and only son so that by believing in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life with him. We need to be a people that continue to remind each other of that truth and let it sink in. So stop a minute and let it sink in. As a church family, we're also called to demonstrate the love of Christ through our actions, not just reminding each other with words, but with actions. When you are called upon to serve, to help, to encourage someone, to be present with someone, renew, I'm really proud of the many, many, many stories I've heard of people demonstrating love in small acts. You can sit down if you want, if you're feeling good standing up. I've, I've got a few, I'm not going to be much longer, but... But when you're called upon to serve, help, encourage someone, to be present with someone, that is a moment to show love, to demonstrate love as a sign, as a witness of God's love for that person. And I know that that's not always easy. Sometimes we do those things out of a sense of duty, maybe even begrudgingly. 
just because we know we should. But there's also this call that our motives should be aligned with those of Christ. So when those opportunities arise, can you stop a minute and align the motives and align your heart and mind as to the why you are doing this act to serve this person? Remind yourself why. And maybe even pray for love to grow and to guide you. Lord, I don't particularly like this person right now, but you have called me to love them, and so I want to love them. And I have an opportunity to love them. Give me the grace and strength to love them. So just stop a minute. When those opportunities arrive, arise and align the motives and align your heart to why. And then stop another minute and see it as an opportunity to once again receive God's gift of love for you. And thank God for the opportunity to share and to participate in his love for that person. And then, church, when someone demonstrates love for you in some way, whether that's just a simple phone call, an encouragement note, serving you in some way, helping you with some even just small little task, or just spending time with you, when someone demonstrates love for you in that way, stop a minute and receive it as a beautiful gift of love and as a sign of God's love for you and give thanks. There's a song that's been out, I think, for a little over a year now. It's called Love is a Miracle. And I've been reflecting on that. The miracle that is love, the miracle that God would love me so much that Jesus would die for me and would raise me to life with him in his resurrection. That love is a miracle. But every time I have an opportunity to love my wife, to love my kids, to love my brother and sister in Christ, that too is a miracle. Every one of us is deeply loved by Christ, and every one of us has the ability and the purpose to share Christ's love with others. As we continue to, to dream into God's vision for what the church is and to seek to live it out in really tangible and practical ways in our day-to-day life, just a couple of questions. What if the church was marked by the miraculous, sacrificial, self-giving love of Jesus? That's what we're called to. And what would it look like if that was the testimony of the church in, in word and in action? What would it look like for Renew to grow in spirit-filled, spirit-empowered love for God, for one another, and for the world? Like I said, I've been really proud of Renew and the ways that I've seen folks loving one another. But what if that passage in Ephesians about the, the depth and the width and the height of Jesus' love for us, what if we could also say that about our love? What would it look like if we loved deeper wider, longer, higher? What if the Holy Spirit filled us with that kind of love for one another and for the world? And what if each day you took time to consider who and how God wants you to love? What lesser things might you have to let go of or cast aside to love more fully?
What distractions might you have to turn from to love more fully with the love of Christ? Throughout Ephesians, Paul continually wants the church to know God, to know the depths of God's love for them, for us, and to continually grow in knowing God and to make God known. Would our love as a church grow to look more and more like Christ's love? And love is really hard. Not going to lie. Love is really hard sometimes. Following Jesus calls us to do hard things. And that's why we have this vision of what this looks like. Of the why we're doing these really hard things. That's why there's such an extravagant picture painted in Ephesians to continue to motivate us and to remind us of what's in store for us as we do the really hard work of love. And we're going to explore some of those hard things more 